Hey everyone, welcome back to the Monclova Baptist Church podcast. We're thankful that you joined us today. Hey, if you would do us a favor at the end of this episode, make sure that you follow us on our social, Instagram and Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit that bell button so that you get notified every time that we post new content. If you also want to stay connected with us beyond Sunday morning, make sure that you download the MRBC app on the Google Play Store or the App Store. Now let's dive in. Revelation chapter number nine. Several uh, months ago now, I preached the message out of Revelation nine. It was just a message, a uh, uh, more of a, a topical type message uh, out of this passage of scripture. I was not preaching through the book of Revelation. Um, it was just a message as I was reading, the Lord had put on my heart. And through that, um, the Lord just began to impress upon me to go through and preach through the book of Revelation. And so I believe we're 11 or 12 weeks into that study now, but it all started from this passage of Scripture. I'm not going to re-preach that message that I preached several months ago on this passage of Scripture, but uh, I thought about it much as I was preparing for this message today. I think you would agree that our world is in chaos. Would you agree with that? Right is wrong, and wrong is right. Our Speaker of the House, the new Speaker, was criticized this past week for saying this, that his worldview is shaped around the Bible. He was mocked across the media platforms in our nation. Many of you probably saw that. Because his worldview is shaped around the Bible, they thought that he was not adequate to be the Speaker of the House. When reality, I would say this, that is the best qualification that he could have is to his worldview to be shaped around what God has to say. I respect him for that. I respect him for having the courage to say that, knowing he was gonna be criticized for it. They interviewed his wife and himself. His wife said this, that she believes that God's word, she believed this is biblical, because in God's word, God sets up leaders and tears down leaders. And she was mocked across the media platforms for saying that her husband's rise to power was biblical. I'm glad that we have people in places of authority in our nation that build their lives upon God's word. I respect that. We honor, we honor leaders like that. This is what we pray for in our nation. This is what we pray in our leaders, that they honor God. They build their lives upon the word of God. They don't stray from the word of God. These are honorable, th honorable things. There's calls from governments around the world. There's calls from university professors. There's calls from citizens from nations around this uh, uh, world for the destruction of Israel. Our world is in chaos. Our world is in chaos. Protesters siding with terrorist organizations. The greatest political battle in our nation today is over the right of abortions. Think about that. If you're listening at all to what's happening with issue one, it's a fight for the rights of an unborn child to live. It is, it is, it is, it's not right for, it's not right for Ohio. It's not right for our nation. It's not right. It's against God. It's against God's word. There's calls for the, dis, the dismissal of religious rights. Those that believe God's word are dismissed as, as ignorant, as, as right-wing. 
children are mutilating their bodies and being encouraged by adults to do so. Our world is in chaos. Boys want to be girls. Girls want to be boys. And some don't want to be either. Pornography is gripping the souls of individuals, casting them into darkness in dark places. It's a billion-dollar billion-dollar organization across the internet. Sex is celebrated outside of marriage. There's a chant. There is no God being heard around our globe. Murder is on the rise. Adultery is a normal thing, and it's out of control. People are filled with hatred and anger. I I, I don't believe it'd be wrong to say this, that we stand on the eve of World War III in our world. Anarchy is in the heart of our generation. And it seems like Satan is having a field day. Church, we are racing toward the rapture of the church, and we are racing toward the great tribulation. We see it. In chapter number nine of the book of Revelation, we come to the the great tribulation. Several weeks ago, a couple weeks back, we've been studying. We studied chapter number eight and chapter number nine, and we looked at these, these trumpets that are going to sound. We stop at the fifth trumpet. Now we make our way to chapter 9, verse number 13, where the sixth trumpet is going to sound. Let's pick up reading in verse number 13. And the sixth angel sounded. And I heard a voice from, our, for the, from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel, which had this trumpet, loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. And the four angels were loosed, which were prepared for an hour, in a day, in a month, in a year, for to slay the third part of men. And the number of the army of the horsemen were 200,000, and I heard the number of them. And thus I saw the horses of the vision, and them that sat on them, having breastplates of fire, and of jackneth, and brimstone, and of the heads of the horses were the heads of lions, and out of their mouths issued fire and smoke and brimstone. By these three was the third part of men killed by the fire and by the smoke and by the brimstone which is issued out of their mouths. For their power is in their mouth and in their tails. For their tails were like unto serpents and had heads, and with them they do hurt. And the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues yet repented not of the works of their hands, that they should not worship devils and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and of wood which neither can see, nor hear, nor walk. Neither repented they of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornication, nor of their thefts. Chapter number nine in this passage of scripture, it sends so many different emotions as we read this passage of scripture. The first emotion that it sends is the terrible plight that's going to happen to mankind. In fear, as we see the, the events of this, this, this uh, uh, sixth trumpet sounding, the fear that's going to come across the, the nations and the people, a third of mankind is going to be killed from this judgment. We also see 
that in this same, it, there's this emotion that we can see and feel. And when all of this happens, the end of this passage of Scripture says they neither repented of their murders. They, they still had that same focus. They still had that same rebellion in their heart. That it doesn't matter what happens, they are not going to repent. And there's this feeling of despair, of hopelessness. And then, then we realize this, that, that God is judging mankind for their sin. And, and as I read through all the events that are happening in our generation, the, the first several things that I stated here in my introduction, this isn't things that have happened in previous generations. This isn't prophecy of things that are going to happen in generations to come. What I had read about our generation being in chaos and all the events that are happening is the generation that we are living in today, that we are experiencing. And we have to wonder, God, when are you eventually going to do something and the reality is this, that God is. Amen. Mankind is only going to be able to sin for so long. But God is long-suffering and is patient. His grace is extended. But there's coming a day when God it will no longer be long-suffering, that his judgment is going to be poured out upon mankind. But then I come back to that emotion of, I don't want anyone to perish. Recognizing this, that if a soul dies without knowing Jesus Christ as your Savior, hell is their eternity. And so this passage of Scripture, chapter 9, in my own heart, I go through so many different emotions as I'm reading this passage of Scripture. But we come today to the sixth trumpet. This trumpet, when it sounds, is a terrible, terrible call to war. Man has rebelled against God. We're coming now to that sixth trumpet where, where, where the previous five trumpets have sounded and judgment has come. Mankind, instead of fearing God, instead of recognizing God, instead of honoring God, instead of realizing that their life has been spent aimless and hopeless, that God is the answer, mankind still turns from God in rebellion. And today, we may think that there's no answers. Today, we might look at the situations that we're involved in and think that things are hopeless. Maybe coming up to this coming Tuesday, there's many that around our nation, I, I, I speak to many that think this, that we're just in a hopeless situation, that America is out of control, and God doesn't care. Some, some even wonder this, why, God, are you allowing this? Why don't you do something about this? It seems like every time we turn, Satan is winning the war. The sixth trumpet, we're going to see God's response to a world that's gone wild. We're going to see God's response to a world that is chaotic and out of control. We're going to see that God is in his long suffering, he is patient, he is kind. And that God has delayed his wrath, 
But you mark it down, world. Don't be mistaken that God is going to judge mankind for his rebellion. Today, you may say, it just seems like it's never going to happen. It seems like Christians are being mocked. It seems like Christians are going to, it's getting more difficult to take a stand. It seems almost like impossible to have a biblical worldview, to, to stand on God's word without being mocked and without getting, being, being uh, 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 characterized as, as some kind of crazy person. But I want to remind you, Christian, that the gospel was not easy. And God never promised, Christ never promised for those that received the gospel that your life was going to be easy after it. He actually said this, they hated me, they're going to hate you. They persecuted Christ, they're going to persecute us. And so as we understand this and see this all from a biblical perspective, I want us to understand that God is still in control. China, who denies that Jesus Christ is God, is Lord, will one day realize that Jesus Christ is King. The countries like Iran, who worship a, 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 a false God, another God, are one day going to realize that Jesus Christ is King. Nations like Russia who say there is no God are going to uh, realize one day, and it may seem like what they do, there's never punishment. It may seem like they're able to, to cause chaos around this world, but I want you to understand that the nations that say there is no God, one day they will bow their knee to a God in heaven. Terrorist organizations like Hamas, Hezbollah, who seek to terrorize Israel one day are going to recognize that Jesus Christ is king. And every other nation that denies that Jesus Christ is Lord and king, I want you to understand the warning is clear. To every person sitting in this room today that may not confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the warning that we read is clear in chapter number nine. Take heed. Repent of your ways because the sixth trumpet will sound and destruction is going to come. So let's begin in verse number 13. The Bible says again this, and the sixth angel sounded. The sixth angel takes this trumpet. We learned a few weeks ago that trumpet is a trumpet of war, a trumpet of, of violence that's going to come. In verse number 14, saying to the sixth angel which had the trumpet, loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. There are four angels that today they're, they're, they're chained into the Euphrates. The Bible speaks about, and we'll get to this here in our study, but the Euphrates River is going to dry up and they'll be able to walk over from uh, the far east over toward Israel, into Israel, march against Israel through the areas such as Iraq and Jordan and come against Israel. And when that happens, these four angels are going to be loosed. This Euphrates River, river sits in the Middle East. It sits as it runs through Iraq. It sits in that area and there's angels that are going to be loosed. And when these angels are loosed, their main mission is going to be to rally the, the, the soldiers and the armies of, of all the governments around this world. And a third of mankind is going to be killed. 
These angels are going to control the nations, armies of the world. In understanding this, when the Antichrist rises, he is going to, he is going to lead the, the nations of this world. They're going to lose their sovereignty as individual nations and all follow this leader. And so the armies of this world will become his armies. In verse number 15, the Bible clearly tells us this, and those four angels, they were loosed, which were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year for to slay the third part of men. These angels were loosed for the reason to bring judgment against mankind. This, this sixth trumpet that's going to sound will be the judgment that is going to come against mankind where a third of mankind is going to be killed. And I want you to understand that number. That number is going to be in upwards of something like two billion people. Two billion people. There was a war that broke out in Israel over the killing of 1,300 people. On our 9-11, some 3,000 people were killed. In some of the greatest conflicts that our nations have seen, we've seen 50 to 60,000 of our soldiers killed. And those are memorable moments in time. Never has this world ever seen anything like this where two billion people are killed billion. I want you to think about that number. 200 million. 200 million in China, there are 200 million uh, uh, soldiers in their army. Oh, I'm sorry, 2.2 million. 2.2 million in their army. They're, they're in chapter 16, this 200,000 is 200 million soldiers. And just to try to get a number of that, to, the, the magnitude of that, I, just, I, I did some research and I found out some of these numbers. In China, there's 2.2 million soldiers. There's 1.4 billion people living in China. 1.4 billion people that would be almost double the amount of China's population will be killed during this time. India, who has the second largest population, one of the five largest armies in the world, they have 1.2 million active duty and 1 million reservists in their army with 1.38 billion people living in their country. Russia has 850,000 million or 850,000 active military in 133 million people living in their country. North Korea North Korea with only 26 million people living in their country, 1.28 million people are in their military. I use that number, these numbers, just to cause us to understand 200 million people. It's a nations, that's the armies of this world. 200 million people, John describes 
as coming out of this, of this, uh, these armies, these horsemen, coming against mankind to, for the sole purpose of killing a third of mankind. In verse number 17, the Bible says this, and thus I saw horses in the vision, and them that sat on them, having breastplates of fire and jackman and brimstone, and the heads of horses were as the heads of lions, and out of their mouths issued fire and smoke and brimstone. By these three was the third part of man killed by the fire, by the smoke, by the brimstone which issued out of their mouths. Look what he says in verse number 19, for their power is in their mouth and in their tails. For their tails were like unto serpents and the heads and with them they do hurt. John is describing here in verse number 17, 18, and 19, he's describing war. And I want you to remember that this is some 2,000 years ago as John is seeing into the future. Sometimes John is describing things only like he can understand. John has never seen in his lifetime, he had never seen the, the military might that we see today. John has, never, John has never witnessed tanks and helicopters and airplanes. And it was interesting as, as I was reading these verses and looking on the, even the, the news as we're seeing the, the conflicts that are taking place around the world today in Israel and Ukraine, and you see the military might and you see these tanks that are rolling in and from these tanks just firing smoke and fire, bombs dropping from the air as brimstone coming from the skies. You see these events that are taking place. And as John is trying to describe these events, he's showing, he's seeing a war take place. He's seeing this war take place. He's describing these war machines. John is seeing this total annihilation that we're seeing even today where, where tanks are rolling into cities and smoke and fire is coming from the, the front of them or the mouths of them. John is not necessarily, many believe as they're looking at this passage of Scripture, they're believing this, that John isn't seeing literal serpents. I want you to see again by, by what John is describing. He says this in verse number um, 19, for their power is in their mouths and in their tails, for their tails were like unto serpents. John's not saying there these are literal serpents that are taking out some two billion people in this world. John is seeing these, these, this military might, and he's saying, all I know is what I can tell you. All I know is what I see. It is like serpents that are, 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 are issuing fire. It's like serpents that, are, that are, are destruction. What he is seeing, I believe what he is seeing is the military industrial complex that is building toward this day. He's seeing the, the bombs. He's seeing the nuclear weapons. He's seeing all of the, the warfare that we're seeing in church. Listen to me. We're seeing this buildup. What are we seeing in the nation's capitals around this world? Billions and billions of dollars that are spent for what? Military buildup. Weapons of war. Even in our country today, one of the greatest issues that we're facing in our government is how much money we're going to spend on military buildup. Where? In Europe and the Middle East. 
Why? Because this is where the war is going to. This is where this is going to all take place. Look at the devastation. I want you to think with me, if you've seen just on the news, just recently over the war with Ukraine over the last year and just recently in Gaza, you have seen this, what military weapons can do. One night of bombing, one night of, of shelling, one night of sending missiles into an area totally flattens areas and tens and hundreds of people are killed. Look at the devastation. Look at the devastation that's caused by these war machines. And this is exactly what John sees. John sees 200 million soldiers racing toward this world to kill a third of all mankind. John, I'm sure, is seeing, as he's seeing the, the, uh, um, this, this uh, fire, he's seeing the smoke, he's seeing the brimstone, he's seeing all of these things as he's describing in verses 17, 18, and 19. He's seeing bombs that are dropping out of the sky, causing total destruction. John is seeing in verse number 19 that power is in their mouths. I believe that John is speaking of, of physical war tanks and in military might that we see in our armies of today. He's saying out of their mouths, out of these machines, out of these, these things that he's seeing, all he can describe them as horses with this breastplate. These, 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 these war machines that seem like they're, they're, they're uh, uh, metal all around them, it's seemingly all he's describing is what we see and what we know of. And the saddest part of all of this, the part that I don't want us to miss, as John is seeing these 200 million people, these angels are loose, that trumpet of sound, those angels are loose, these armies come together against the world population, and a third of human beings are going to be killed. God is sending a warning through his prophecy. There's some that say this, so if we're Christians, why do we need to know what's going to happen during the tribulation if we're not going to be here? Why do we need to know what's going to happen in chapter number nine? And I want to answer that question for you today because it is our responsibility to do something with that information. The church cannot sleep the church cannot slumber. The church cannot get involved in the things of this world. The church cannot see things as hopeless and in despair. We're keeping our eyes on the wrong things. We have to keep our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ and realize, church, that we have a job to do till Jesus comes. So why does the Lord put these events? Why should we know that 200 million people are going to race over this world and a third of the human race is going to be killed? Why does John tell us this? Why do we need to study this? What blessing comes from us knowing this? What blessing ought to come is this, that now we know that God is warning the world and now we must take that gospel. We must take that warning to a world that needs Jesus Christ. This is an awakening to the church. God is warning the world that judgment is coming. 
The world that says that there is no God. The world that says this life is for you. You live it how you want to live it. You do what you want to do. You love who you want to love. You be who you want to be. And they're thumbing their nose before God. They must hear a message preach. It is not time for churches to go liberal. It's not time for churches to be soft in their preaching. It is not time for churches to close the word of God and stop preaching the truth. If anything, it's time for churches to get on fire for Jesus Christ. We're losing this world while the church falls asleep. While the church says, well, I'm not going to face that destruction. I'm not going to be there. While the church argues over, will we be there or not? The fact of the matter is people are going to die without Jesus Christ. People are going to go out into eternity and spend eternity in a devil's hell. God is sending a warning through his prophecy. God is warning the world that judgment is coming. But look at verse number 20. And the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues so the two-thirds of the men yet repented not of the works of their hands. And this is the part that grieves me. As they mock God today, they're going to mock God then as well. In this passage of Scripture, we see the destruction is going to come because of rebellion. We see the destruction that's going to come because of witchcraft. Every Christian ought to be engaged. Every Christian ought to be involved. When you read chapter number nine and you see that sixth trumpet is going to sound, those four angels are going to be loosed out of that Euphrates River. Some 200,000 soldiers, 200 million soldiers are going to come and annihilate a third of mankind through weapons of war. When we see that all taking place, Christian, there is a job for us to do. Many Christians are wondering, what do we do? And I, I want to commend families, and I want to commend people, even within our church, for doing something about it. We've got a family in our church. We've got a lady in our church that's running for school board in our current community. Why? She's running for the rights, the biblical rights for children and for parents. I read something. Somebody sent me, one of our church members sent me, something they saw on social media, and they said this about that candidate from our church. They said, it seems like the only qualification she has is that she loves Jesus and is going to make decisions based upon the word of God. And I'm thinking to myself, what a wonderful qualification. I might even vote twice. You can't do that. I thought to myself, what a wonderful, but they were writing this as it was some kind of slant, some kind of bad thing. 
Can you believe that we have the speaker of the house that makes decisions based upon a biblical worldview? And the church says, praise the Lord. God's people says, yes. But what has to happen? Christians have to engage. Christians have to be involved. Church, there's nothing wrong with you engaging this community as long as your purpose is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Some, somewhere, somewhere we thought this, that we as Christians, once you get saved, you're supposed to sit in a room and just shut up. Just be quiet. That's not what God's called you to do. You're a voice. I like what John the Baptist said. John the Baptist said this, I'm a voice. I'm a voice crying in the wilderness. What would he do? He was crying, make way for the Savior. Jesus is coming. The Messiah is coming. He was a voice. Oh, he was mocked. And oh, he was ridiculed. And oh, he was made fun of. And, and, and he even lost his life because of it. But John the Baptist spent his life as a voice. A voice. And if God has given you a voice, then oh, church, be a voice. Be a voice for the gospel. Be a voice that God's judgment's going to come. Be a voice that God is long-suffering. Be a voice that Jesus Christ came and paid the sin debt for all mankind. Be a voice for the gospel. Be a voice, church. Because we see that destruction is going to come. My question is, oh, why, oh, why, oh, why will mankind not repent? My question to you today, if you're sitting here and you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, why, oh, why, oh, why will you not repent? Turn from your sin and turn to Jesus Christ. It is our responsibility. And I understand, church, in today's world, they don't want some nutty preacher yelling and screaming, fire and brimstone and preaching on hell. But if they don't hear it from church, where are they going to hear it? If they don't hear truth from this pulpit, where, is it, where are they going to hear it? I was talking to a family not long ago. I met him at the hospital with visiting a family and they were family of that family. And so I witnessed to them, asked them if they knew Christ. They said, we did. And asked them where they went to church. And they said, we're actually looking for a church. And I asked them the reason why. And they said this, they said, well, our pastor just doesn't really preach the Bible anymore. Sometimes he doesn't even read a passage of scripture. I talk to Dick Dissop often. Dick Dissop is one of the greatest soul winners I've ever met. The majority of the people he shares the gospel with and gets saved are people that are attending church. And they've never heard it. 
it is the responsibility of the church. It's not just my responsibility, it's your responsibility as well to warn this world that destruction is coming. And we are racing toward the end. We are on a collision course with these six trumpets, with this great tribulation. And today is the day that America must repent. And we're not gonna win just through elections. It's the church that needs to get right with God. And I wrote down four things, church, what we can do. And I want everyone in this room to write these things down. What can we do if if chapter number nine, verse 13, down through verse number 21 is true, and it is, then what can we do? And I want you to take these four things. Number one, will you commit to fasting and praying this week for the souls of mankind? Will you commit to fasting and praying? Doing that without food, fasting, and spending that time when your body says, feed me, you deny yourself of that and spend that time in prayer begging God for mercy. I'm told 58% of Ohioans support issue one and issue two. But I believe that God can still do a work. I believe it. You say, you just don't want to listen to the polls. No, I just want to honor God. And I want to see God work. And I'm going to commit this week to fasting and praying for the souls of mankind. And that means this, for people to be saved. What's going to change this world is only going to be the salvation of mankind, nothing else. Number two, would you write this down? Not only fast and pray for the souls of mankind, graciously share the gospel. There are people in this room you've never shared the gospel with another human being. In church, it has to change. There's some of you that have never led a person to the Lord, meaning taken the Bible and shown a person how they can receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. And sometimes you say this, I just don't, I don't have the boldness, then get the boldness. Well, I just don't have, you've got to start. It needs God's people to graciously share the gospel. And I'm asking you this week, will you fast and pray for the souls of mankind? And then will you graciously share the gospel with someone this week? And number three, will you generously give of yourself for the Lord's work? Church is not a spectator sport. Church is a place where every saved individual ought to be doing something in the work of the Lord in the body of Christ to be getting the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost world that needs to hear. And number four, will you passionately live for the Lord Jesus Christ? I'm so sick of sin. Listen to me, if you've got sin in your life, repent, get right with God. Get right with God. Stop living for yourself. That's what the wicked did. The wicked and the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues yet repented not of the works of their hands, 
that they should not worship devils and idols and gold and silver and brass and stone and of word and of wood. Neither can they see nor hear nor walk. Neither repented they of their murders nor sorceries nor of their fornication nor of their thefts. May God's people not be accused of such a thing. Passionately live for the Lord Jesus Christ this week. Men, rise up and be men and passionately live for the Lord this week and lead your families. Be the husband that God has called you to be. Be the father that God has called you to be. Be the grandparent that God has called you to be. Women, ladies, be the woman that God has called you to be. Be the mother that God has called you to be. Be the wife that God has called you to be. Be the servant for the Lord Jesus Christ that God has called you to be. Be an example to a lost world. Let's not entangle ourselves with this world, but let's be different. Let's be a light in a dark world. Let's be salt to a world that needs the gospel. And I want to challenge you, fast and pray for the souls of mankind. Graciously share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Generously give of yourself for the Lord's work and passionately live for the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because there's coming a day. A sixth trumpet is going to sound. These angels are going to be loosed. These armies are going to come against the mankind of this world and some two billion men and women and boys and girls are gonna be killed and walk out into eternity. And the Bible says in that place, there's wailing and gnashing of teeth. I close with this story. I told you this many, many years ago, and I can't get it out of my mind, especially when I think of, of the burning in hell. When I was in fourth or fifth grade or so, there was a little girl, Sarah Griffin. She was in first grade. We were at a ladies, ladies Bible study at our church and we were all downstairs in the basement area where we were, all the kids were, the ladies were upstairs in their Bible study. They had the coffee set up in one of those big, you know, 100 pot coffee urns and somebody forgot to lock that table leg and little Sarah Griffin was standing by that table and one of the kids that were horse playing hit that table. And when that table hit that table, that leg collapsed and that table did this and that big old urn of coffee came sliding down that table and hit right on the floor where little Sarah was standing. And that all those scolding hot cups of coffee fell from her knees down to her feet. She screamed in pain. My sister was there and my sister grabbed Sarah. My sister was only seventh or eighth grade at that time. And she grabbed her and brought her into the kitchen. She never experienced anything like this before, obviously. So she was confused on what to do, but knew this little girl needed help. So what she began to do is take Sarah's socks off. But as she took Sarah's socks off, her skin went with it. And this little first grade girl just screamed in pain. I remember there would be nights in our home 
that we'd wake up in the middle of the night because my sister screaming with nightmares of that event, feeling like it was her fault. Couldn't get those screams out of her mind. It's been 40 years or so ago for me, and I still can't get those screams out of my mind. I can't get the thought of that little girl burning and no one could help her. No one could satisfy that pain. And then I think of the billions of people that are gonna walk out into eternity and open their eyes in a hell fire. And for 10,000 years, scream in pain, only to do it for 10,000 more. Scream in pain. Let me ask you this, church. Is it worth us staying quiet? Is it worth us keeping it to ourselves? Is it worth us knowing the hope and gospel of Jesus Christ and not telling a lost world? Is your sin so important that you refuse to live a life for the Lord Jesus Christ? Will you commit to pray? Will you commit to do something with the gospel of Jesus Christ so that this human race, our generation, has an opportunity not to scream in torment and pain, but to kneel at the feet of Jesus Christ. You just finished listening to a message from the preaching ministry at Monclova Road Baptist Church. If it was a help to you, make sure that you let somebody know about it. If you need help beyond this message, make sure that you follow us on Instagram or Facebook or check out our website, monclovabaptist.org, and we would love to connect with you there and help you with anything that you might need. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time on the Monclova Baptist Church Podcast.